welcome to the Dead Lady Show podcast. The Dead Lady Show celebrates women both overlooked and iconic who achieved amazing things against the odds. And we do it through live history storytelling in Berlin and beyond, and at the moment, relatively virtually. I'm Susan Stone, and here with me on the screen and in our hearts is Dead Lady Show co-founder Florian Dowsens. Hey, nice to see you. Hi, Susan. You look very cozy and comfy and warm. I am. I'm in the pink and I'm surrounded by a duvet. So, you know, sound and uh, comfort all in one. And we are, you know, locked down in Berlin here until future points unknown. But we still have stories to tell. And today's comes from our last live show of 2020 in September, which was really lovely. Uh, but before we get to that, we want to give you a quick preview of an upcoming event that you can actually take part in if you like. Yeah, on March 11th, we'll be doing a live Dead Lady show on Zoom, our very first, which will then make its way to the podcast. And it's in conjunction with our friends at Stanza, Scotland's International Poetry Festival, which is also online this year. Featured will be a dead lady poet who you might have heard something about on this podcast. I think so. Uh, but tickets are free. Uh, you'll need to sign up over at Stanza's website. And we'll put a link to that in the episode notes for you. And you can find out who it's all about. It's going to be very fun and something new for us. Uh, but now let's get back to our featured dead lady and our starring presenter. So Florian, please do the introductory honors for us. Our talk comes from the wonderful and lovely and amazing Divya Galani, who is a novelist in Berlin working on two novels at the moment. She also teaches creative writing and facilitates a reading series of contemporary novels by people of color for a wonderful organization called The Reader. She has an MA in creative writing from the University of East Anglia and an MPhil in literary studies from the University of Hong Kong. Divya has published short stories. Uh, she's just a wonderful person, and she's going to talk to us about the life and work of Beryl Gilroy. Yeah, I'm here to tell you about a really wonderful um, Guyanese writer called Beryl Gilroy. I first came across Beryl Gilroy uh, when I was at the University of Hong Kong, weirdly. I was there studying for an MPhil on post-war British school stories, autobiographies and plays. Maybe I should have chosen a snappier title, <laughs> looking back. Anyway, I had always been interested in the history of British schooling and chose to focus on writings about schools from the 1950s to the present day. I decided I would do a chapter on To Sir With Love by E.R. Braithwaite also a Guyanese-born writer, and it was my supervisor, Professor Douglas Kerr's wife, the post-colonial academic Elaine Ho, who suggested I might do a comparative study instead between To Sir With Love by E.R. Braithwaite and another lesser-known book by a fellow female Guyanese writer, Black Teacher by Beryl Gilroy. To my shame, I only knew Beryl Gilroy as the mother of the academic and intellectual Paul Gilroy. Um, Paul wrote Ain't No Black in the Union Jack, um, The Black Atlantic, Postcolonial Melancholia, and more. And I'd seen some of his books um, on my big sister's bookshelf <laughs> back in the day when I was at school and she was doing cultural studies at the University of Birmingham, which I thought was really cool. What I didn't know was that Beryl Gilroy had been a highly prolific literary writer herself. Um, so I read Black Teacher in Hong Kong, and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. It made me wonder why To Sir With Love by E.R. Braithwaite, that other novel, had become a blockbuster movie starring Sidney Poitier, um, looking very handsome, with a catchy soundtrack by pop star Lulu. 
<laughs> while Black Teacher by Beryl Gilroy, which was formerly radical and highly literary to my mind, had been condemned to obscurity and perhaps as a result of this is now completely out of print. So I want to show you a clip of the film version of that other text that I studied, To Sew With Love. The book and the screenplay was written by E.R. Braithwaite and it was directed by James Clavell. To Sidney Poitier, in a role worthy of his Academy Award-winning talents, as the teacher who joins battle with the wildest set of rebels London ever produced. What is the matter? Those kids are devils incarnate, huh? I've tried everything. Everything, but nothing I tried. Kids. Kids. That's it. Here is a, a, a poster with an, just a completely unbelievable strapline there. A story as fresh as the girls in their minis. Can you believe? Can you believe in 1967 that that was okay? So there we go, and there's Lulu. Um, looking a bit too old to be at school. <laughs> anyway. But enough about E.R. Braithwaite's To Sew With Love, because tonight I'm really excited to tell you about Black Teacher and its really wonderful creator, the writer, educator, and psychotherapist Beryl Gilroy. Beryl was born on the 30th of August, 1942, in what was then British Guyana. She moved to the UK in the 1950s and was part of the Windrush generation. Now, this is a term that's often used to describe migrants from the Caribbean who arrived into the UK before 1971, beginning with the, the docking of uh, the ship MV Empire Windrush in Tilbury on the 22nd of June, 1948. Um, there's a ship. I just thought I'd add some visual <laughs> excitement for you. <laughs> the ship brought workers from Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago and other islands to help fill post-war UK labor shortages. Now, obviously, Beryl Gilroy wasn't on that ship. She probably flew. Um, she was awarded a British Guyana teacher certificate with first-class honors. She also worked as a school teacher in Guyana until 1951, when, at the age of 27, she was selected to attend university um, in the United Kingdom. So between 1951 and 1953, she attended uh, the University of London, and she pursued a diploma in child development. Beryl was the author of six novels, two autobiographical books, and she was a pioneering teacher and psychotherapist. And quite frankly, it's a scandal that I didn't know about her and that we generally don't know about her as much as we should. Um, some of Beryl's notable literary works are included here. Uh, Frangie Penny House, um, Steadman and Joanna, Sunlight and Sweetwater, In Praise of Love and Children, Inkle and Yariko, The Green Grass Tango. All of these are titles that and you can order most of them via People Tree Press in Britain, which is a small publisher of writers from the Caribbean and black British authors. And they were very early supporters of Beryl Gilroy's work, and they continue to do really excellent work today. So I recommend ordering from them. Beryl Gilroy was also one of London's first ever black female head teachers. Now, I say one of because though she is often described as the first, you might see that online. Um, Beryl's daughter, Darla Jane Gilroy, who's um, a fashion designer and a former academic, wrote that she had just been pipped to the post by Yvonne Connolly two months earlier. And I wanted to show Yvonne too, because I, I wanted to celebrate Yvonne too, because it's a huge achievement. So there's 
Yvonne Connolly, and it kind of gives you an idea of the time in which Beryl Gilroy was working too. Beryl Gilroy grew up in a big, extended family, largely under the influence of her grandma, Sally Louisa James, who died in 1967. Sally was a herbalist and a manager of the family smallholding, and she was a big reader too, and she told the young Beryl many stories. Sally thought Beryl would learn more by being taken all over the country with her and being given space for wonder and inquiry. And as a result, Beryl did not enter full-time schooling until she was 12. <laughs> I didn't realize that would elicit laughter. <laughs> but, um, when you read Beryl Gilroy's work, you can see how her grandmother's influence made itself known in her own philosophy of education, which stressed freedom for discovery within a framework of basic skills. Sally taught the young Beryl that people should avoid spirit poorness, as she described it, or victimhood, in other words. And this philosophy permeates all of Beryl Gilroy's writings. The experiences of her childhood are told, above all, very beautifully in Sunlight on Sweetwater, which you can order from People Tree Press as well. Let's hear from Beryl Gilroy. Here's what Beryl said about coming to Britain in the 1950s. It's really valuable interview information on her. She says, well, I came to Britain in the very early, early 50s when there weren't any or very few what they now call ethnic minorities about. It was the period of reconstruction after the war. I had a ration book. There weren't many goods available. Sweets were in ration. It was a very, very hard time. Wages were low, and of course, there were very few cars about. Children would ask you the time so as to find out if you could speak English, and in those days, the children asked adults to see them across the road. There was a lot more trust in society. It was a lot more benign and positive than it is now. The war experience was pretty unifying. So that's what she says about arriving. And here's what Beryl says about what it was like starting out as a teacher in 1950s Britain. She says, I had to relearn English because I spoke with Guyana idioms and Guyana expressions, which I needed to do as a class teacher as I began teaching in Britain in 1953. I went to university and then I finished my degree and I began to teach there. There were only three of us teaching here when I arrived. One teacher worked in a school with writer Edward Braithwaite, who wrote to Sir With Love. There was a male teacher also from Guyana, Samuel Stevenson, and myself. That was the entire black population of inner London school-wise. I think it's important to kind of bring that in because very different times. The title of this next section is Why is Black Teacher So Great? And then I just answer it. <laughs> so you're in for a ride, guys. Uh, <laughs> Beryl took some time off from teaching to look after her two amazing children. Um, but in 1968, she returned to the profession and eventually became among the first black head teachers in the UK. She wrote her experiences of those years in Black Teacher, which was first published in 1976. Now, Black Teacher didn't receive much attention or any prizes during the time of its publication. In her essay, Not Good Enough or Not Man Enough, Beryl Gilroy as the anomaly in the evolving Black British canon, Sandra Courtman talks about the undetectableness of black female writers relative to their male counterparts during the 50s and the 60s. Black women writers were largely invisible both in Britain and in Gilroy's native Caribbean. 
Courtman writes that the few reviews of black teacher referred only to Beryl's experience as a black educator. Such tokenism, she says, actually preserved the power of the dominant group. The Times literary supplement journalist Roy Blatchford described black teacher as best to Edward Braithwaite's porgy, asking, is it worth yet another voicing? He was, of course, referring to To Sew With Love by E.R. Braithwaite, which I studied, suggesting that Gilroy's book was just a female kind of imitation of that other black teacher's experience. I say screw him. I say, <laughs> I, say I believe that Beryl Gilroy's black teacher should be brought back into print and reclaimed as a book worth reading for reasons that Blatchford and his contemporaries missed entirely. Black teacher is formally radical. Um, it sits somewhere between autobiography and fiction. It's really experimental in terms of language and style, and it's a really important document, not only of, as an educational treatise or historical account of British schooling in the 50s and the 60s, but as genre-busting literary prose in its own right. Sandra Courtman also describes black teacher as an intermediary form. It has a very distinct non-linear structure and is composed of very short chapters, 13 of them, depicting Beryl's journey to finally getting a job as a teacher, followed by promotion to headship. You know, when discussing black teacher in an interview, Beryl Gilroy said that there was a need, she says, to set the record straight. There had been Ted Braithwaite's To Sew With Love and Don Hines's Journey to an Illusion, but the woman's experience had never been stated. Setting the record straight for Beryl meant portraying her own experience, which consisted of a series of jarring encounters through inner-city London schools. Gilroy's appraisal of those schools exposed systemic pedagogical problems, but also society's problems at large. Alongside being a school teacher, Gilroy recounted her experiences as an office worker, as a maid to an upper-class lady, and as the organizer of a creche. By facing her readers with the lived experience of a modern, educated black woman who had to move through a series of menial jobs just to get by to start off with, Gilroy refused readers an easy story arc. Now, I think it's this formal and aesthetic radicalism, born of British racism, in fact, that ironically opened Gilroy's text to be scorned and disregarded by the white bourgeoisie press. In Black Teacher, Gilroy is unflinching in her depiction of racism as endemic and diffuse in British society, something that cuts into the very way her story is written. The racist incidents she documents involve children, adults, the elderly, employers and neighbours. And it arose in a number of different ways, not always so pernicious or harmful, a racist society wherein perpetrators were sometimes redeemed, <laughs> or at least the motives for their actions were understood and considered. So, Gilroy's was a voice committed to portraying a very multifaceted endemic truth about British school and society. It lacked the sweetness of a voice writing for a consumer market, and her style was matter-of-fact and upfront. But that's why I love it. Now, Black Teacher was marketed nearly exclusively to educators from minority communities, and I think it was Gilroy's commitment to speaking out about the daily dehumanizing aspects of the British immigrant experience in the 50s and 60s, which made the text seem too radical and hence too non-commercial for mainstream publication. 
Now, we will talk a lot about decolonizing the curriculum today, but we sometimes forget that we stand on the shoulders of giants like Beryl Gilroy, who were committed to doing the same back in the 50s and 60s. And I really admire the way Beryl Gilroy analyzed the casual racism inherent in the British curriculum of the late 1950s. And here's what Beryl Gilroy said on challenging the curriculum in relation to um, a character in Dr. Doolittle. And this is the character, if you can handle it, it's Prince Bumpo. Uh, she says, you see, the books that they saw had always presented the native, and she says that in inverted commas, as a sort of grinning, dancing person talking in this, what they call, very derogatory way. So when I went into a classroom and encountered a book like Dr. Doolittle for the first time, and I encountered that famous black character, Prince Bumpo, and all the children were all ready to laugh, I was able to turn things around, to present Prince Bumpo as a black man who could not be colonized, for he had kept his identity. The children began to notice this and how I was able to gently shift their perspective. That's why I disagree with literature that forbids things. I think an expert teacher can use these kinds of things to their advantage, to construct and repair children's sense of identity. She continues, I think literature has a very important role. It can play a role that is healing. I think that when a child has read a book, they should be able to go away with a feeling that some little part of their individual inner desert, that inner desert that has been urbanized and degraded by contemporary life, can be made to bloom again. Stories that help them re-experience the experiences they have, stories that make them realize it's not so bad. In Black Teacher, when Beryl Gilroy finally reaches the multiracial Beckford School, in which she will one day become headmistress, Gilroy's experiences of her own education in British Guyana allow her to see the mixed ethnic makeup of this new school not as problematic, but as representative, and as a representative and organic part of the community. And of the teacher-pupil relationships, she writes that it must be a partnership, that children should first see their teachers as people, then as friends, and finally as teachers. And this is what she says about Beckford School. My reaction was, of course, utterly different because it represented school as I had always known it back home. There were five other races in our society, the Chinese, the Portuguese, the American Indians, the Hindus, and the whites. There we all were, children of six races in quite enormous classes of about 60 to 70 children, and yet I can't remember a single day that we ever quarreled about race. If there ever was any jealousy, it was socioeconomic in origin. Now, unlike E.R. Braithwaite's main character in To Sew With Love, Gilroy does not win out by becoming accepted in British society. She receives no sweet thank you from her school children in Black Teacher. Success is incremental for her, and it's tentative. Each day, a new challenge, teaching challenge, that always bears the risk of failure. This realistic, pragmatic approach to teaching bears no resemblance to the clear-cut commercial teacher's hero story we've been fed, be it To Sew With Love, which is an excellent text in and of itself, or Dead Poet Society. You know, it's a style, it's a, it's a genre in, in and of itself. Gilroy's experience as a black female teacher, her commitment to telling the truth of these takes her away from such formulaic, escapist narrative approaches. So whereas, you know, E.R. Braithwaite's account in To Sew With Love is very optimistic with a neat conclusion, I recommend watching the movie if you haven't. Um, it has a hopeful ending hinting at assimilation and mutual acceptance. Gilroy's black teacher is more hesitant, less able to conform to any pre-planned story formula. And that's why I love it. She describes the battles fought and won, the struggles ahead. Her victories are never definite. 
Gilroy refuses to provide readers with a saccharine ending because in the 50s and 60s when she was writing uh, her story, she knew that there was endless work to be done in the British education system and the way it was serving children. Black Teacher ends by shifting uh, to the issue of democracy and equality, to adventure and experience. Gilroy describes the ideal school based on democratic values, and I'm really excited to kind of give you this quote because I think it's very beautiful. I said that if I had to color the school I would like to have, I would use the rain-washed greens of early spring and the lively yellows of summer. It would be a school where we would be concerned with the present lives of the children, yet always consider sources from the past, a place where we would lead the children towards adventure and experience, where thought and feeling would work in harmony, and where the children's Jews would be kindness, courtesy, and loving justice. I like her beautiful idealism. So the reason I'm talking about Black Teacher is that I really believe it's a, an important literary book for now in relation to the Black Lives Matters protests that have been happening across the globe, the conversations we have all been having, or we should be having, around decolonization and diversity, and in light of the British government's disastrous relationship to race and education, resulting most recently in the Conservative Party's decision to use an algorithm to predict student A-level grades, wherein thousands of state school students were downgraded, while their fee-paying private school counterparts were upgraded. The algorithm's decision was overturned due to protests, largely by students. But this moment shone a light on how classist and institutionally racist the British education system still is, uh, something that was being powerfully depicted in 1967 by Beryl Gilroy when she was writing Black Teacher. During the Black Lives Matter protests in London, Beckford School in West Hampstead, where Beryl Gilroy had famously been head teacher, began consulting with staff and parents over a name change. It is currently named after a former London mayor, William Beckford, who is said to have owned 3,000 slaves in Jamaica. Campaigners want to change the school's name to honor Beryl Gilroy, who was in charge of the school between 1969 and 1982, because it sends a much more positive message to future generations. I would love to see Beckford School's name changed to honor the brilliant Beryl Gilroy. I think Beryl Gilroy Primary School has a very nice ring to it. And I'm going to send the current head teacher this podcast. <laughs> Besides, the name of Mrs. Gilroy is a far more significant part of the history of Beckford School than that of William Beckford. I would also love to see Black Teacher back in print. I'm waiting with great hope on both these things. And in the meantime, I'll be re revisiting Beryl Gilroy's list of other published works. And I hope you'll join me. Thank you so much. Divya Galani on Beryl Gilroy, recorded in the courtyard at Berlin's Akud on a lovely balmy evening with help from Turi Agostino. So since Divya's talk, there's been some news. Beckford Primary School, where Beryl Gilroy was head teacher, will in fact be renamed following a vote in December 2020, but unfortunately not for Gilroy. The school will formally adopt its new name, West Hampstead Primary School, in September 2021. 
Now, one of the people who had backed the school name change to honor Beryl Gilroy was Yvonne Connolly, who, as Divya mentioned in her talk, had just pipped Beryl to the post by becoming Britain's first blackhead teacher a few months before. Now, sadly, Yvonne Connolly died just a few weeks ago in January. Her career in education spanned over 40 years, and she received many commendations for her service, including being appointed CBE, that's Commander of the Order of the British Empire, in October 2020, at the age of 81. But there's still something amazing to celebrate, which is that Beryl Gilroy's book Black Teacher will be re-released in summer of 2021 by Faber and Faber. Yay! Yay! With a new foreword by Booker Prize winning author and all-round superhuman, Bernadine Evaristo, who calls the book fresh and vital, full of wit, perceptiveness, humor, and compassion, a hugely important memoir from the rare perspective of a Black woman transported to the colonial motherland. You can find out more about Black Teacher and Beryl's other books, find out what Divya's working on, and have a peek at the great Sidney Poitier in that wild trailer from To Sir With Love over at our website, deadladyshow.com podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show and which dead ladies you think we should cover by emailing info at deadladyshow.com or just give us a shout on social media. We're listening at at deadladyshow. We are, and we're also listening to our theme song, Little Lily Swing by Tritachion. So that means it's time for me to tell you that the Dead Lady Show was founded by Florian Dowsons and Katie Darbyshire, and that the podcast is created, produced, and edited by me, Susan Stone. Thank you to Divya and to you, Florian. Thank you, Susan. And thanks to everybody out there listening. See you soon. Support for this episode of the Dead Lady Show podcast comes from the Berliner Senat.